Good afternoon and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll check in with some local farmers and find out how the crops are progressing. Also, we'll hear from grain market analyst Brennan Turner. And our first in today's country comment, we'll get a crop update from Justine Cornelson with Brett Young Seeds. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Joining us now is Justine Cornelson, Agronomic and Regulatory Services Manager with Brett Young to give us a crop update. She started off talking about some of the stormy weather that passed through the province this week. It was kind of welcomed by many, some of that rain. Uh, Lots of areas were starting to dry up and certain crops, when I look to like soybeans, they really need that August rain. So um, it it was needed. Um, It was quite variable as always across the province. You know, some areas reporting just a few, few tenths and others a few inches. So um, I know, I know around Burden area where I'm from, we were up over an inch, inch of rain. Um, and then it looks like north of Winnipeg got, got quite the downpour as well. So variable, but in, in many areas, um, it was needed. Um, when we get to like the extreme damages, stuff like hail, um, thankfully that, uh, seems to be very localized as well. There wasn't a lot within that system, very patchy. So, um, this is kind of the time of year where we don't want to be seeing any hail, um, cause those plants just aren't able to recover. And I wanted to just uh, touch on a few different crops here. Um, start to notice the uh, some of the canola fields are, are losing their, their flowers there. But, you know, where, where's the canola crop sitting? It's still all over the place. Uh, you know, when we get to, into certain areas, it's still in full flower and, and others are into full pod now. Um, so it, it is going to make for an interesting fall. Um, you know, we're going to be seeing canola come off at, at varying stages and, and hopefully bulk of that crop can actually mature in the end. Um, down in the South, I was actually out disease surveying the other day, um, a little too soon for that. So we, we haven't really hit that ideal swath timing yet. Um, you know, there's, there's some that'll be close to that 60% seed color change. So I, I imagine we'll start to within the next week or so, see some canola come down in swaths. Yeah, I guess any any further advice on on swath timing and, and spray interval? You know what? It, it, like I said, crops are extremely stagey. So when you're out there assessing, you know, assess where bulk of your yield is at. You know, when you're looking at that field, look at the, the percentages that are most uniform um, and try to base your decision on that because um, you're not going to be able to time everything perfectly. Um, and you know, if you do have the opportunity to go in and swap sections, I do recommend that because hitting that 60% um, seed color change is so extremely important in securing yield. Um, bulk of producers still are swapping before that timing and, and just throwing away yield. So getting in at that appropriate timing is, is so extremely important. And, and if you are leaving crops to, to straight cut, you know, we are going to be a little young, a little longer yet before we actually hit that. So, um, you know, getting in, assessing when we're, we're assessing seed color change, right? You're looking at pods from the, the lower half, middle half, and the top half of that plant. Um, so really having a good look to see. And, and seed color change is considered any change to that brown color. So if we've got green, firm seeds uh, that are just showing little specks, that's considered seed color change. wanted to uh, talk about cereals. Um, uh, latest crop report here this week uh, says some early barley coming off in the past few days, but um, I guess the rest of the uh, spring cereals looking to harvest in about two weeks. Um, what have you been hearing? Um, how are the uh, cereals looking? 
You know what? Yeah, cereals were looking nice. Um, if they weren't underwater this spring, um, like I said, they, they were looking really nice. Uh, some of the early yields um, are, are okay, right? Obviously variable depending where at, but some of those winter cereals are coming up at that 90 bushels an acre mark. Um, there's still a lot of green um, uh, material within the cereal crop, so they are going to take a little bit of, a little bit of time. Um, I know a lot of those fall cereals are are starting to come off, and now it's just kind of playing the humidity and the rain and, and making sure that you can actually get in there and, and work with those crops. Um, you know, just go across the prairies, I know I was just out in Alberta, lots of stuff coming off there. Um, cereal yields have been good, and like I said, they're, they're a little drier, so it's been a little smoother to get things off. How about the uh, the corn crop? You know, corn's been loving this heat and, and that early season moisture. Um, you know, it, it, it is kind of moving into that um, milk stage. Uh, you know, it's 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 coming. <laughs> it, it, corn's always one of those later ones to linger around, but the, the crops like that are really enjoying, um, really enjoying that heat right there, that blister to kind of milk stage. Um, the silks are starting to, to dry off and then drop off the ear of the plant, so... Um, it's it's starting to fill, and like I said, it'll keep on soaking up all of this heat that we've got in the forecast. And uh, just looking at pulses, uh, we're seeing some uh, field pea crops coming off, um, you know, soybeans in that R5 to R6 stage. Um, what have you been hearing in terms of uh, pulses? So it, um, really variable on the pea side of things. Um, I know some, just with the high moisture, were actually tilled under, um, just, you know, not not the perfect condition or not perfect summer for peas by any means. Um, they are not a, a huge fans of all of that precipitation. Um, so like the dealing with things like a phantom season in peas, um, there are a, quite a few crops that have, that have made it to harvest and have been desiccated and, and should hopefully be coming off the field here um, in, in the next week or so. As for soybeans, like the beans have really like the looked good. They love that moisture and love the heat um, they need the moisture now. Um, I was doing some, some soybean assessments yesterday and, you know, pods, pods are looking good at the bottom and, and they're just needing to fill up on the top. So, um, a few kind of scattered showers would be much appreciated for the soybeans. That was Justine Cornelson, agronomic and regulatory services manager with Brett Young. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. Manitoba Agriculture says harvest has started in winter wheat and fall rye with a good portion of those crops already combined. Reported yields are average for both crops. Crop condition looks good to very good in most parts of the province. Pea harvest has begun in the northwest region and widespread harvest is expected to begin for spring cereals in about two weeks with some early barley coming off in the past few days. Insect concerns have popped up in localized spots across Manitoba. Soybean aphids have reached economic thresholds in some crops, while many populations remain below thresholds but should be monitored closely. Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers is giving an update on the province's soybean crop. Here is production specialist Jennifer McComb-Taru. Soybeans are continuing to set and fill pods, with most fields ranging from the R4 stage, where pods are three-quarters of an inch long at one of the top four nodes, to R5, the beginning seed stage. So we are seeing and hearing of soybean aphids across the province, with some at spraying thresholds. Grasshoppers are also continuing to be a challenge in some fields, and will need to continue to be monitored. And the Canola Council of Canada's Canola for Our Advantage program will provide financial support to help farmers initiate or advance for our nutrient stewardship on canola acres. Curtis Rempel is Vice President of Crop Production and Innovation. 
We have four BMPs that are eligible, um, and they're all tied to uh, for our nutrient stewardship. And growers are eligible for two of the four BMPs. They can choose which is most most appropriate for their uh, particular operation or the uh, or their uh, proposed plan. And they're eligible for up to six thousand dollars per BMP or twelve thousand dollars per farm per year. Funding for Canola for Our Advantage has been provided by Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada through the Agricultural Climate Solutions On-Farm Climate Action Fund. The application process opens today. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Wednesday, August 17th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll hear from grain market analyst Brennan Turner. Harvest is just getting underway in a number of areas. As producers bring in this year's crop, Glenda Allen Wassler checks in with grain market analyst Brennan Turner to see what's happening in the wheat market and what are some key factors to watch for. Set the stage for us. What are we seeing? What's happening out there? Well, probably the biggest mover and shaker recently has was the uh, August WASDE report that the USDA released on Friday, August 12th. And in it, there was a lot of pretty big changes to um, the wheat balance sheet specifically. Um, Raised production in Canada, raised production in Australia. They raised it in Australia by 3 million tons. This will be the third consecutive year that Aussie farmers are going to pull off more than 30 million tons of wheat across all their paddocks. So pretty significant. Russia's production was also raised by a pretty significant 6.5 million tons. But on the flip side... Um, you know, some, some bullish variables that I continue to watch is um, the, the heat and dryness in Europe um, saw the European crop downgraded by about 2 million tons. And um, the other dynamic is just the strength of the demand function. You've seen exports uh, increase slightly, um, use consumption in, in China is increasing slightly, and yeah, maybe Russia will, will fill some of those voids, but the, the large majority of China in terms of what they're importing from the likes of Australia, the U.S., or even Canada, is higher quality product that we produce here in the prairies. And so, you know, net-net, I think it's a a net positive report for wheat specifically, um, as there just seems to be a lot more bullish variables that uh, are on my horizon as well as the markets. And, you know, the the flip side here is that we're we're about 30% off the highs that we saw in mid-May. And that's a function of uh, just understanding what the size of this year's crop is going to be. Again, mentioned a couple of those big harvests in, in Russia, Canada, and, and, and Australia. But uh, we're, those harvest supplies coming to market have buyers feeling pretty comfortable about getting their needs. And so I'm, I'm really more focused today on, on, again, getting that crop off, understanding the quality of what's in the bin, so making sure I'm t- taking good samples and getting them tested, um, and, and ultimately filling the contracts that I might have made uh, over the last number of months and, and thereafter probably looking to price out something in wheat uh, maybe in, in late October, early November. Harvest activities, of course, just getting underway, really. What are you hearing as far as the quality of the crop out there? Yeah, so I mean, the first few fields are always usually pretty good. And so, um, you know, I think that uh, a fair amount of farmers have been pleasantly surprised by by what the yield monitors are showing. But at the same time, it's early days, right? So um, we're taking it with a grain of salt. We're going to get the, the first estimates from, from Stats Can here in a couple of weeks uh, in terms of their satellite imagery estimates of, of production. Um, and that will be updated again two weeks later in, in mid-September. So, um, you know, the market will surely react to that. But 
again, it's, it's, are, are you looking to sell off the combine? I, I'm not a big fan of it because again, I know that the, the, the lows of the year are usually found around harvest time. And so is it a good strategy to sell at the lows? Usually not. Of course, though, maybe there's some cash issues and whatnot in mind. So um, just a good, good practice is again, to think about making sure that uh, you know the quality of what you're, you're trying to sell. Um, and that's going to impact, you know, who you can sell to and, and what type of conversations you're going to have. Other positives for the wheat market? Well, I think one of the biggest outliers that a lot of people aren't paying attention to is is not Ukraine in terms of like the grain that's now starting to finally move, but what are Ukrainian farmers going to be able to plant this fall? Um, there are some significant financial hurdles for, for farmers there, let alone the labor challenges, the fuel challenges, the crop input availability, right? Um, and so what Ukrainian farmers are basically fa- facing in terms of how I'm, I'm understanding and, and talking to my contacts in Europe is that um, it's almost unprofitable in a lot of places to for them to seed fall barley or fall wheat. And so um, we'll, we'll, know, we'll know more about this in, in the coming weeks and months, but um, it's, a, it's a pretty significant uphill climb. And, and I, I think that could be a major catalyst because even though Again, uh, Ukraine has, has kind of accounted for a pretty significant uh, portion of the increase in, in not just global production, but also exports. Now they're you know, one of the major global wheat exporters and players. And so if they're, if they're not even putting in the acres, how does that impact things down the line? So um, you know, that's a bullish scenario that, that uh, I don't think a lot of people are necessarily paying attention to, but I'm keeping a close eye on. Let's focus in on Durham now and, and your thoughts on, on what we're seeing now and where it could go. Well, I think there's a, it's a great question. I think there's a lot of opportunity, mainly because of, um, A, some of the, those production downgrades in Europe. You know, specifically looking in, in Europe, they're probably looking at about a 9% drop over year over year to about 7 million metric tons. And that'll be the smallest crop, Durham crop in Europe. Uh, and literally in the last 25 years. So that's, that's necess- I would call that a bullish variable, right? And then on the flip side, specifically, we look at Italy, the, the, the past the powerhouse nation, right? Um, their, their crop is expected to drop by about 10% to about 3.5 million tons, which, which translates to a gap in terms of supply versus demand of about 2.6 million metric tons. They're going to have to import that from somewhere, right? And obviously, look to the U.S. We look to Canada. There might be some some options out of um, some of the Black Sea countries that have started to grow Durham, other places in Europe. But again, the the crop has been challenged by by uh, drought conditions these last couple of weeks and months. And so, um, I think that's that's uh, a net positive for Durham. And I haven't really seen the markets react to to this reality in terms of moving higher. And so, I think we could we could start to see that maybe late September starting to trek a little higher as some of those first boats um, make make their, their way to international destinations. And, and those buyers look for that second wave of, of procurement uh, in the fall and, and getting some winter supplies in hand. But uh, the other variable is, is some of the drought conditions in North Africa. For example, we know in Morocco that um, their their entire cereal harvest, not just Durham, but all, all cereals, is going to be about just one-third of what it was a year ago because of the drought. So, you know, again, a scenario where where a, a traditional importer of Canadian Durham is going to probably look to, to source more product. So um, even though we, we certainly saw a, a significant expansion in Durham makers planted this year by Canadian farmers, including my own family, um, I still think that there's there's a, a positive opportunity for Durham prices to, to increase over the next couple of months here. Final thoughts, key comments? 
Well, I think again, it's it's um, you know this time of year is is controlling what you're able to, and um, you know the markets are always going to move. There's a lot of volatility these days, you know, given the geopolitical risk in in Europe with China, um, some of the inflation issues right now, and and we know that speculators, uh, you know, the man, the managed money, the hedge funds, they've kind of pulled back out of the market these last couple of weeks, and uh, their all of their positions um, are sitting at, at uh, multi-year lows. So I think. Um, Potentially fueling the fire for for wheat prices to climb higher will be the speculative investors, and um, you know again I'm I'm looking for some of those opportunities to to appear for my next sales probably late September going into uh, the October November months. I've been talking with Brendan Turner. Brendan is an independent grain market analyst for Golden West. I'm Glenda Lee Allen Bossler. Thanks, Glenda Lee. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. On behalf of Glenda Lee Allen Vossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. The Roland 4-H Museum is open throughout the month of August. The hours are 1 to 4 p.m. Call 204-343-2061. RSK Farms, Manitoba Herefords will be hosting a field day this Saturday, August 20th, five miles north of Douglas, Manitoba. Call 204-573-9529. The Canadian Wildlife Federation is offering a webinar on Canada's 10 most invasive plants. That'll take place August 30th from noon until 1. You can register on the Canadian Wildlife Federation website. Fall on the Farm takes place September 5th at the Mennonite Heritage Village in Steinbach. And the Cultivate Sustainability Conference and Trade Show is planned for September 7th at the RBC Convention Centre in Winnipeg. Register for the conference at foodbeveragesmb.ca. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Wednesday afternoon, we'll check in with some local farmers and find out how the crops are coming along. Over in the Southwest, reporter Barry Lamb caught up with Minto area farmer Jake Eyre. Yeah, so on our farm, we've been uh, pleasantly surprised, like I said, that our biggest dependent uh, factor is moisture, and we've received moisture this year, unlike last year. So it's amazing what water can do. That extra moisture this year, did that help to bring the crops along? Uh, you know, things aren't as far behind as some people thought they might be. Well, I think our crops have honestly made up on the time. But, I mean, like anyone, we were down on acres. Um, you know, we, we finished about 10% down on our acre average versus last year. That was due to the drowned out spots and spots that are, I mean, even still, some of them are still underwater. But, I mean, in our area, we're, we're pretty potholy, and that's that's kind of par for the course, as we expect. We're always going to lose a little bit to drown out, but, I mean, the hilltops make up for it, right? So, And harvest itself, where are you at with uh, getting the combines rolling? Yeah, so we've harvested uh, about uh, 65 acres of perennial ryegrass, and then we did uh, just a little 35-acre piece in winter wheat, and... Yeah, we've got uh, about a quarter of winter wheat. Uh, if it's ready today, ready tomorrow, we'll we'll book way at it. But after that, I think we'll be like most people, we'll be parking up and uh, sitting for a week or two after that. Any big concerns right now? Uh, I mean, we're just always scouting, looking around like everyone else, scouting for bugs, uh, just watching the crops. I know there's some producers uh, south of south of us, like southeast of Boisman, I heard, got to pretty decent smack of hail so that's always not fun uh, this late in the year when you look about uh, bringing something in with the combine but then the, the great white combine in the sky comes along and does it for you so just uh, you know a little bit of moisture is always nice but uh, those big bad uh, hail and thunderstorms if you can keep those away Barry that'd be great. And what about expectations uh, you know obviously not bumper maybe but still pretty healthy crop? 
Yeah, like I said, last year we didn't have moisture, and it was uh, surprising what we received for a crop. So this year we have moisture, we had the fertilizer, we had the heat. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty happy, and I know Dad's the same. We're pretty happy so far, and talking to a lot of other people around, it seems that the expectation is uh, positive. And a little more on that, was just going to ask, what's the mood out there with uh, with this pricing or just heading into harvest? Always, a, 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 I guess, a fun time for the farmers. Uh, how is it out there? Yeah, it's it's always fun. The markets, uh, you know, USDA report comes out, what was that, last uh, Friday, and then they're talking wheat was up, uh, corn down. But, uh, I mean, you, you never really know. The markets seem to be up and down all the time. But, I mean, ourselves, like others, you got to just try and spread your risk around market different points in the year and take advantage of the highs, and uh, hopefully you don't hit too many lows. Finally, with the calendar, are you much behind where you normally would be when it comes to harvest? Yeah, typically we end up starting uh, our, our barley or wheat about to this time of year. So I'd say we're about two weeks behind schedule at least in our cereal crops. Soybeans, again, still filling with the pods, whereas you know, we've harvested soybeans as early as the 10th of September before. So doubt that's going to happen this year, but uh, yeah, we're at least two weeks behind, if not Three. That was Minto area farmer Jake Ayer chatting with reporter Barry Lamb. Now let's head over to the southeast where reporter Shannon Duick caught up with Kevin Peters of Herb Sigwell Farms at Randolph. They chatted earlier this week. Kevin, maybe for starters, if I can just ask uh, you to tell us a little bit about uh, what it is uh, that you're growing this year. What kind of fields do you have this year? Uh, we've got a variety of crops, uh, wheat, barley, canola, soybeans, uh, sunflowers and corn. And how do the crops look now mid-August? Uh, everything is faring quite well, uh, all things considered. It was a late start, and so things are a little bit behind. But uh, obviously, as everyone knows, we had quite a bit of moisture uh, through June and July. And uh, yeah, things are looking quite quite good. Could you use some, some more moisture now, or how does that look? Yeah, I think, I think a little bit of moisture from the top would... Uh, would would finish the season off for our longer season crops. Some of those uh, shorter season crops. When are you are you thinking uh, harvest uh, could begin, or you could uh, begin to cut that? I think we're looking at beginning of September for our beginning of harvest this year, just because spring was so late. Uh, we were pushed back a few weeks here. Any real bad insect or disease issues this summer? Um, there's been some challenges with some insect pressures at, uh, from spring already and uh, obviously some grasshoppers and stuff uh, now through summer, but uh, nothing, nothing out, of, uh, out of the realm of somewhat normal, I guess. I guess it's hard to know what the, uh, what the forecast is going to look like the next uh, couple months here, but some of those longer season crops that you have, are you going to be fighting against uh, uh, frost, or, or what are you thinking there? Yeah, our long season crops, our corn and sunflowers, uh, are going to need quite a few more weeks here of, uh, of frost-free days. Um, really, we need a good September of nice weather yet to, to finish us off. That was Kevin Peters of Herb Sigwell Farms at Randolph, Manitoba, chatting with reporter Shannon Duick earlier this week. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. The province has announced that in 2022-23, 56 agricultural societies will receive education funding totaling $226,000. 
An additional $95,000 in infrastructure funding will be given to 45 agricultural societies as part of the $1.4 million investment into infrastructure projects. Manitoba Agriculture Minister Derek Johnson said that Manitoba Agricultural Societies will continue to return to pre-COVID-19 levels with this financial support and will be able to continue looking ahead with optimism. The Canola Council of Canada has unveiled a new program offering financial support to help growers initiate or advance for our nutrient stewardship on canola acres. The program will reimburse growers for up to 85% of eligible costs, up to $12,000 per farm per year. Curtis Rempel is Vice President of Crop Production and Innovation. Canola for our advantage is, a, is an incentive program. It's designed to help growers initiate or advance for our nutrient stewardship practices on canola acres. It builds on, our, uh, on the Canadian canola growers' track record of sustainability. And we're pleased that we can help growers access uh, a funding base that helps us to keep building our excellent track record and also really helps us with um, looking at achieving our strategic directive of, of 26 million metric tons of canola. Funding for Canola for Our Advantage has been provided by Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada through the Agricultural Climate Solutions On-Farm Climate Action Fund. The application process opens today. And Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers is giving an update on the province's field pea crop. Here's production specialist Jennifer McComb-Teru. So with field peas, they're ranging from the R4, the full pod stages, to R6, a mid-maturity staging with some earlier planted fields getting closer to harvest at the R7 staging. And this is where 75 to 80% of the pods are golden brown in color. We are seeing some yellowing of field peas due to saturated soils, resulting in root rots. It's a good idea to get these plants tested to understand which root rot it is, and specifically, is it a Phenomyces, as it can be quite long-lived in the soil. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll chat with the Executive Director of the Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.